South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. Well, they don't call it the House of Horrors for nothing, and uh, the Blue Jays go to the trap, they drop four in a row. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the Stadium Scene.tv network, part of the Overtime Media crew, and we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats studios. Yeah, you know... That's just the way it goes, I guess. Derek Fisher misses pop pop flies that go directly into his glove, and the Blue Jays drop four in a row to the Tampa Bay Rays. What else is new? Uh, joining me tonight to discuss all things dysfunctional Toronto Blue Jays is Craig Borden of the Jay Bird Watching Podcast. Craig, come on, man. Like four in a row with the drop? I guess that's serendipitous, I suppose. I'm going to hope that this is the calm before the storm. No pun intended with Florida. Um, but as far as things go, Adam, are we really shocked? Honestly, I thought early in the season we played pretty well at the trop. So here is it kind of coming back to that fun balance that it's just going to be an awful, like you said, house of horrors for Toronto Blue Jays at the trop. Yeah. So I mean, they get to go home for, uh, I think it's two series. Uh, against the Yankees and the Red Sox, maybe not in that order. I think it's Red Sox-Yankees. Um, I mean, that doesn't excite me at all, but at least like there is some dysfunction with the with the Red Sox too, but at least they're going home, they're in a familiar environment, and they just get the hell out of Tampa or St. Petersburg, I should say, and uh, maybe get their mojo back. What do you think? I think that now that we finally have some arms in our starting rotation, you'll see some of that pitching kind of level out, regardless of the fact that we have, what, three more rookies in the rotation, basically. But I think there's some nice things to look forward to here and some good takeaways that we can still get in this last month of baseball. Well, if you're heading to Toronto, to the Dome, to watch any of these games, like I said, we are part of the Vivid Seats studios. We are coming to you live from there. And if you want your tickets to see the Toronto Blue Jays, do me a favor. Go on whatever application, whatever smart device you are using, Apple, Google, whatever. Type in Vivid Seats. If you're a first-time customer for Vivid Seats, use the Vivid Seats app. You can get up to $100 off your first ticket purchase by using promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, all one word. Get up to $100 off for first-time users. Craig, I want to start this off. I know this is a little bit of a curveball, but I want to start this off by talking about uh, Dave Dombrowski. This came as a shock to me. I want to say the news uh, broke around midnight. Dave Dombrowski got canned by the Red Sox. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, I know this is not a Red Sox podcast. I know this is merely focused on the Toronto Blue Jays. I do think there are some ripple effects when it comes to this because whoever the new president of operations comes into the to the Red Sox organization, that usually means or sometimes mean that there's some sort of blow up, some sort of rebuild to put their stamp on it, i.e. Atkinson Shapiro. When they came in, they wanted to put their fingerprints on it. Do you see a scenario in which that this new regime that comes in for the Red Sox wants to blow it up and thus makes this window of opportunity for the Blue Jays to contend happen a little bit sooner than anticipated? 
if you were going to come in and you're going to put a stamp on that franchise, you can automatically think that players like Chris Sale that are expensive free agents but very talented, things like that, Adam, are all of a sudden free game, right? And first, I just have to say, good job selling those tickets because <laughs> I'm so going to be going on the 28th and 29th this month to finish off the season. Plug in my guys, Jaybird watching will be live during the pregame parts of those shows, or, nice. um, those games. It's going to be fun, Brendan Panikar and myself. But the fact that Dabrowski is gone shocked me. I, I was really surprised because, yeah, the team's not so good this year, but there's a lot of reasons why. And I didn't really think those were things that would fall on a GM. Yeah. But there were some arguments and I think the midst of that, this is just where the dust is settling, my friend. And it's going to open up a window, I think for the blue Jays, because this team is going to have a one or two year extended, maybe like what they're in right now, unless there's a big shakeup, but that big shakeup might be to bring in the guys that they want that are younger than the Chris sales and whatnot that are on that team and try to build a core around somebody like Mookie bats, Xander Bogarts. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I can totally... All right, first of all, making sure you're holding on to Mookie Betts, I, I think that's priority number one for oh, this critical. team. Critical. Yeah, and, and I, I think that as long as you have him, you can sort of build around it. But there are some aging contracts that sort of don't make sense for this team. You can argue that Chris Sale, um, you know, after getting that mega contract, he's definitely, like, sort of at the tail end right now, or at least he's showing some signs of decline this year. This is, I want to say, one of his worst uh, years statistically, um, or at least in a very long time, at least in recent memory. Um, David Price, too, like, he's a declining asset as well. Uh, Steve Pierce only signed for a one-year deal, so, like, he's sort of out the door. J.D. Martinez, depending on what's going on with it, there are so many, like, different layers here that I, I, I don't know that they're all necessarily a fit. And the bullpen has been a, a serious, uh, I don't know, conversation or level of contention when it comes to how Boston failed this year. So if they want to sort of rebuild around bets, um, maybe selling off this, these assets and having a couple of down years might be the recipe for success later on for this Red Sox team. You might hit the nail on the head with that J.D. Martinez comment. That's still a very intriguing bat for an American League team. Mm -hmm. And you could still get something pretty good back for that. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily sure they fit into the future plans of the Red Sox. I don't know. It's sort of a toss-up. But it is interesting to note that, like, right now we're talking about, like, how the Yankees are this monstrous squad, especially in the AL East. They're sort of the kings of the American League, much like the Dodgers are over in the National League. Um, and the Tampa Bay Rays are have shown, at least to us these past four games, that they are still a formidable opponent. And if they can sort of you know, build on that into the future, especially the Rays. They're going to, they're always like the sneaky good team and the Yankees are still really good for quite a while. Um, maybe the Blue Jays can be that sneaky second wild card team sooner rather than later, depending on what the front office does in the off season and depending on the acceleration of these young kids development in the major league system. I think that is where the, at least the Yankees and the Red Sox and even maybe the Tampa Bay Rays have the difficulty keeping up with the Blue Jays in the next few years. The fact that our pipeline is just rich, it's almost embarrassing how much good talent there yeah. is in this system. And the fact that we're having an argument already of the Reese McGuire Jansen conversation for next spring is just a prelude to these position battles that are going to be brewing throughout the Blue Jays system and in 
just ridiculous level of competition for these spots in this 25-man roster, Adam. It's going to be insane to see how good these guys are, and I think that you're only going to feed more and more off of that competition within that dugout, and those are the kind of things that I think that the Red Sox and the Yankees are going to have more difficulty putting together on their own. They're going to have to go out to the free agency and hope they strike gold with like what the Red Sox got out of J.D. Martinez last year. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you're you're right. I think the depth, the mere fact that the Blue Jays have so much depth, not just in their minor league system. Like, I know the major league squad right now has been underwhelming, and I know, like, save for the diehard fans that are looking, you know, strictly at the development of these kids and find that exciting, much like you and I. To the casual fan right now, losing is never fun. Right, I think they dropped seven in a row right now, counting the the final Houston game, the two Atlanta games, and the four uh, Tampa Bay games. That's not fun. Like no one wants to see your team lose. But when you take into the account of all the depth that the the Blue Jays have, they can sort of mishmash things, right? They sort of are sitting pretty on a cushion. And I don't know that the Red Sox had that. You look at the Pawtucket Red Sox. I know living in New England, they're terrible. Like I, I, th- I want to say they finished dead last in their in their division. They're terrible, um, and the Bisons were pretty much slaughtering them. So like you, you have this team that doesn't have any depth. You sort of need to reaccrue that, re- regain all that depth, and what better way than sell off assets and kind of have some down years, which will then lead to the Blue Jays being even more exciting and maybe, like I said, accelerate that window just a little bit and you know sort of energize this fan base. I would love to see it. Yeah, and I think. The, that's what's coming. You know, as we've been talking about that fact that this is just insanely ridiculous what the Blue Jays brass has been able to assemble and why that this whole march for the front office like with some fans has been odd to me. <laughs> I don't get it. I understand there's been some weird moves with the Josh Donaldson situation and everything like that, but geez, it just... Just the fact that we have all this new blood and it, they're all going to be guys. Like I was saying on our show, Adam, I think that you could write a top 50 prospects list and you're still going to be talking about how guys in the top play like, 30, the guys in, you know, 31 through 50 are guys that should be in top 30s on other teams rosters in their minor league system. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's start there, right? We, we, we were talking about how the front office is operating, how the front office, at least for the Blue Jays, have made this robust farm system for the Blue Jays to really accelerate them if needed. You have this assembly line. You and I have talked to this ad nauseum before. The name of the game right now that the Blue Jays are missing, the ingredient, is pitching. Right. And and I know it's sort of underwhelming right now. You have the Trent Thornton, you have the Clay Buckles, you have Anthony Kay. We'll get to him in a bit. But right now, the Blue Jays would do themselves a favor if they really want to do accelerate that window of opportunity into contention. They really need to build on this uh, this pitching rotation. They need to sign some players. So what I'm asking you is if you were GM, let's let's play imaginary GM. This is always fun. If you were GM. How would you approach the offseason to change the narrative surrounding the team's lack of tangible success, specifically in the starting rotation? What would you do to make this team even better moving forward, if possible? Do you want the instant fix or the normal fix? Uh, (laughs) Give me both. Instant fixed is spelled C-O-L-E in free agency. (laughs) (laughs) And... this te- this team has a rotation for next season, regardless of any way you slice it right now, Adam. You inject somebody that is a key talent into this rotation to be able to anchor it, 
this could be an exciting rotation to watch if you see some of these young arms take a next step. And don't forget, we got guys like Nate Pearson that aren't quote unquote part of that organization's uh, plan for the beginning of the season. Right. This kid has done nothing but rake all season throughout the Meyer League system, and that's a step behind the TJ Zoik and the um, Anthony K part that we're talking about right now. What I think is going to happen, what I think should happen, is they're going to find somebody that's a solid B arm, a la maybe Dallas Keuchel for mm. what's going on with the Atlanta Braves. And I think that's what they need to find a way to spend some money on that. They have payroll up the wazoo. Take a risk. Light the match and see if this candle gets going a little bit earlier than we thought it would. You know, it's just slightly ridiculous that there is so much offense potential on this team to not find a way to find a veteran arm to put into that rotation and really balance balances out. Plus having the match shoemaker and whatnot combination that's going on to begin the season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at the list of starting pitching free agents uh, heading into the off season. And, you know, there are some bright spots. Obviously Cole is the guy that I think a lot of blue Jays fans have their eye on, as you mentioned, but you know, we had, there are players that seemed like so blue Jays to me. And if they sign these sort of players, it's another like, okay, we're in for it again. Like Wade Miley is a free agent next year. Uh, (laughs) Jeremy Hellickson is a free agent next year. Hell Marco Estrada again, is a free agent next year. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Brett Anderson, Matt Moore. Like, there are a lot of these players that I'm just like, I can totally see the Blue Jays sort of going for it. Like, Drew Pomerantz. I can totally see this happening. And if they do, it's sort of underwhelming and it sort of screams to me. Like, if they sign, like, an Adam Wainwright, I'm sort of just like, "Mm, that just means you're sort of, you know, kicking the can for another year. I hope not to see that. I hope they sort of have that fire and they don't go, I don't want to say dumpster diving, but they don't go for the, like, the sexy signings. I would really like to see something to add some excitement into this fan base in terms of a free agent pitching signing. Yeah. And um, honestly, the one guy I hope if he does become a free agent, the Blue Jays are just seriously going after hardcore. If Zach Wheeler does happen to hit the free agent market, something about him to screams change of scenery candidate, even mm. though he hasn't been bad <laughs> yeah. for the uh, New York Mets. I just think he was one of those guys that is exactly fitting where you want this to be. He's a little bit ahead of where the other guys is, but he's not in like quite his veteran status, like like uh, Matt Shoemaker and you're not quite over the crazy hill where he's going to be too expensive, like Madison Baumgartner. So you've got that nice little hit there in the middle where I think you can probably get him for around eight, 10 and he you- has plenty of potential. Do you think that it's going to be like a waiting game? You know, much like the Keuchel thing, do you think the Blue Jays are going to hedge their bets and say, all right, we're willing to sign like a, I don't want to say a top tier, but, you know, someone that can be a veteran anchor to this rotation, but we don't want to spend the money that it's going to be required. Therefore, we're going to wait it out. Do you see a situation like that, or do you think they're going to be somewhat aggressive? I would like, I think with all the free money that they have, if they don't get aggressive, this fan base is going to flip out. Yeah. They know they have the control. And what is one giant free agent pitcher going to change this team's financial forecast for the next three years? Mm. It doesn't. It's. I'm not saying you're going to go out and spend tons of money, maybe. But it'd be nice to see them, like I said, shoot for that guy that is a good two, three-year lock around the $10 million line. And uh, just let him run with it yeah. and see where it goes. If it goes greater, better than three years, that's the difference between being a competitive team this coming season. You got like Clayton Richard, 
available and that's you know maybe they want to revisit that uh even felix hernandez is available i don't know man like it just seems like if they're going to go if you're going to add a pitcher just do it do it right right go for cole and you have strasburg don't worry about it (laughs) (laughs) assuming i think he has an opt-out right and and i don't think he's opting out of that that's a good contract i happen to be looking at spottrack.com which does the contracts for major league baseball and he is quote unquote projected to be a free agent this coming Okay. All right. And the top three pitchers in terms of current salary are Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, and Madison Baumgartner. Wow. After that, it becomes the Ivan Nova, Zach Wheelers, Hyun Jin Ryu yeah. is, is going to be a free agent. I don't know if I want to buy high on him at age 33 after his best season in Major League Baseball, but you never know. That's very Blue Jays if they do, though. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. That... R.A. Dickey all over. Yeah. <laughs> Without the trade, right? Without giving exactly. up the assets. But, you know, like, it, it's it's something that if you're just going to do it, now is the best time to do it because we're, we, we're not blind to the fact, and you even touched on it, we're not blind to the fact that the payroll is going to be wide open. Right. And they only have, I want to say, two or three players under contract, like without arbitration cases heading into the offseason. So they have this massive amount of payroll. But when you hear like Atkins come on the radio on Sportsnet and say like, oh, when they win, that's when they we know it's time to to go into contention. I find that to be a little ass backwards. Right. You should kind of have the assets to make them win in order to accelerate you into um, into contention. And again, that's not shitting on the front office at all. I'm not trying to do a fire at Shatkins kind of thing. It's more like it, it's a chicken and the egg argument, right? It's kind of like before, like, oh, we'll, we'll start contending when you guys start coming to the stadium. No, it's not how it works. You win, and then we'll come to the stadium, right? And if you can't rely on these players to have these godly numbers to excel themselves in front of the Yankees without help, right? And if they get the help, maybe they can surprise them so i'm really hoping that the front office kind of puts their money where their mouth is and say you know what let's just go for broke in 2020 yeah i think they have a fine balance right now they only have th- according to the same website i was just reading them thirty thousand dollars committed period yeah i think <laughs> some of it's the of that yeah. is troy tulowinski oh wow okay there you go yeah <laughs> yeah slightly ridiculous right now they are projected to be the 29th out of 30 baseball teams Lowest payroll in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And that's assuming nothing changes, obviously. No excuse. And with slight arbitration cases and stuff. And they traded most of their arbitration cases in yeah. <laughs> Marcus Stroman and company. So how do you not spend? It's slightly ridiculous if they don't go out and get at least one, like I said, salvageable arm in this offseason to then let the rest of the rotation become the just whatever the heck falls into place and whoever happens to run away with a job. This offense is already trending upward outside the, this past weekend and more or less, basically Justin Verlander happened and derailed this whole offense. Am I terribly wrong with that over the last week? Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. It had to happen, right? You know, like, you know, as soon as they're on, there's steamrolling and then up, oh, no, no. And then it's just downhill from there. Yes. And I just can't believe that with this offense, that's already boasting, for next season, Boba Shett, Vlad Jr., Loris Gurriel. It's it gets better. <laughs> and it you does. gotta think that those guys are gonna take strides and it's gonna be that much better on offense. So how do I not sink some money into the rotation? And if I can't sink it into the rotation, Adam, I'm dying to see them just pour money into the bullpen. 
See, that's that's the name of the game. Much like we were talking about how the Red Sox failed to do that, I think the Blue Jays would, you know, if they're if they're going to rely on what they have, right? So let's just say Anthony Kay. Like I said, we're going to get into him a bit, but Anthony Kay, Trent Thornton, um, it, Matt Shoemaker, assuming he can come back to health, which I, I believe he can. Um, Barucky, you have these players, and maybe even, you know, Pearson or Zoic, or, you know, more than likely it's going to be TJ before Pearson. He'll get the nod unless... Pearson's able to do something extraordinary out of spring training. Um, if you have that rotation, I'm not scoffing at that. I'm not like terribly happy with it. I'm not, it leaves me wanting a little bit more. But if you have a strong, fearful bullpen behind it, then I can get like okay with it. Couple that with the offensive production by these kids. I think then you're like, okay, you're kind of sitting pretty here. I think, I think you can make some noise. Yeah, and I think that's where they got to make sure that they have something to to cover a like a Sean Reed Foley start from his typical from this season. I think he can get better and make a turn. And honestly, the bullpen doesn't sound like a bad place for him. Right. But the fact that they have enough young arms to fill out a whole bullpen with some kind of ridiculous velocity at the same time as fill out a whole major league rotation with youngsters right now. I just think that veteran would be the icing on the cake to help all those other kids develop and fall in line. Somebody to follow, somebody to have, you know, why A.G. Burnett took that next stride working with Roy Holiday. That yeah. kind of equation, exactly what the Blue Jays need for their development. Do you envision uh, a scenario in which things are shifted elsewhere? In other words, like we talked about how Reese McGuire and Jansen, they're, they're sort of like coupled as really good uh starting catchers for this team in the foreseeable future. But there are some other positions around the diamond that I'm having like question marks about, right? Like I don't think I don't see Justin Smoke coming back. And quite frankly, I don't think Rowdy Telez is the guy. At first place, I think he's um, first place, first base. I think he's much better built as just a natural DH. And unless they're going to move Vladimir Guerrero Jr. over to first and maybe have Drew recover third or what have you, I think it makes sense that maybe you try Reese as a, uh, as a first base to sort of, you know, when Jansen is starting catching and when he's not, you sort of flip flop them. Do you see a scenario in which that happens or do you think, no, it's not broken? Let's not mess with that. Honestly, if that's how I'm going to squeeze extra offense out of this, I don't care one bit who is playing first base. Yeah. If yeah. Rowdy doesn't take that next step, which I'm starting to feel like he's catching on to the Buffalo thing a little bit all yeah. of a sudden. And I'm honestly looking forward to watching him the rest of this month. And hopefully he'll finish strong and take that into spring training. And we don't have to have this conversation at all. But the nice thing is having somebody like Reese McGuire or even Danny Jansen, because quote unquote, Reese McGuire is the better defensive catcher out of those two mm -hmm. i would hate to see danny jansen's power and everything wasted and lost early in a major league baseball career by sticking him behind the plate very similar to what the blue jays did with carlos delgado yeah. back in the day yes people there are baseball cards with carlos delgado <laughs> as a catcher look it up same thing with jd <laughs> yep exactly yeah. so in the midst of that i think that if you were going to look at those two I think Danny Jansen's offensive potential is still better than Reese McGuire's long-term, regardless of where they're 50-50 in right now. I think that's just the midst of what's going on this season for each of them. They told Reese McGuire to focus on his offense. He's been focusing on his offense pretty good of late. And Danny Jansen was told to work on his defense. Yeah. I think right now, as catchers, you could interchange them all day, every day, and there wouldn't be a problem. But if I'm having a black hole of offense going on at first base, 
without Justin Smoke being uh, on this team anymore and maybe Roddy Tillets has not taken that step or gotten more consistent, it would be infinitely amazing to be able to see Danny Jensen turn around or Reese McGuire take over first base at least some of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But just to get that extra bat. Yeah. And in a perfect world, I completely agree. And I would like, I think the, all right. So the problem is that they're both natural catchers to me. Like they both have that, that, I don't know, intuition about them that makes them really effective catchers. If I'm going to choose one to be a semi-everyday first baseman, I think I'm choosing Reese, right? Because I think that would help him more mentally behind the plate because anything that should happen, I mean, sorry, mentally at the plate in an offensive capacity because anything that should go wrong defensively sort of bleeds over to to the offensive production. At first base, there's sort of not a lot there that you can fuck up. Like, there is, don't get me wrong, but like I, I feel like catcher is a much more mentally demanding position. So if he can sort of have a relaxation period where he's the semi everyday first baseman i think that would even boost his offensive production even more than what we're seeing right now no i agree with you to a point and it's amazing how that position move can make the difference in the world i'm gonna use the carlos delgado example again everybody knew he could hit there was no question in hell (laughs) to the fact that carlos delgado couldn't mash at the dish so the idea of him kind of wasting it behind the plate and not falling in 100%. I will admit that Danny Jansen is a way better defensive catcher than Carlos Delgado ever was. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was sitting there crouched all day, and it's like, okay, the average length of a catching career, we saw how fast Buster Posey took a nosedive in his offensive production. Do you want to do that to somebody like Danny Jansen that has been able to hit really well over the last two years in the minors, and then clearly hit a little bit of a roadblock this year as he did took over full-time duty to begin this season. I think the same thing happened with Maurer. Like, I remember Joe Maurer was like this this up-and-coming guy. He was, like, raking, and I just think his knees gave out, man, and he just sort of declined. And, yes, he made the transition to first base, but you sort of don't want to do that too late, and I think that's what happened with Maurer. And I would like to get this out of the way sooner rather than later and not waste the potential that we have in a Reese McGuire. Yeah, and I think the next piece of that whole conversation here adam is the fact that the blue jays if they had to pick a diff, uh, position in their minor league system that they're weak is at first base yeah there's not it's pretty far off once you get past roddy Telez. this is the overtime podcast network all right um i do want to talk about anthony k we sort of like danced around this so let's just get right into it um not bad, right? And ironically enough, he made his Blue Jays debut the same night Stroman had to start for the Mets. I thought that was sort of intriguing, seeing as though they like they flip flop teams right here. Um, anyways, K went five and two thirds innings, tossing eight strikeouts, two earned runs, four hits. His breaking stuff was solid. Like, it was really good, and he was definitely unintimidated by the moment. Yes, they lost. Yes, he gave up two earned runs, and I'm not going to overreact to one outing, but... It is a good sign. So were you encouraged by the outing and where do you see him fitting into this rotation in the future? If at all, I think he's going to be a solid piece. I don't care what anybody thinks about the whole Stroman trade because the other catch is too that Woods Richardson's eventually going to get here too. (laughs) So as far as Anthony K goes though, Adam, it was very intriguing to see that this is the same guy I got to watch pitching for the Buffalo Bisons after the trade spinning the ball, changing speeds, 
making hitters look a little bit ridiculous. Did that first major league strikeout he made, I forget who it was for the Tampa Bay Rays, but it made him look silly. It looked yeah. like they didn't even know what was coming and we're just swinging at thin air. <laughs> so the fact that he can make a major league baseball hitter look that good, that rough in his first outing, I think that bodes well for his major league career. Yes, it's reading a lot into one start, but this is the same stuff I got to see after the Blue Jays acquired him in the Buffalo Bisons uniform. Yeah. And, you know, like that, that is inevitable. It's sort of like how uh, Josh Donaldson and Brett Laurie's, like the, their careers at that point after the trade, they would always be like sort of a comparison kind of thing, right? Like, and JD obviously ran away with it in Blue Jays lore. I think right now, no matter what happens, the Strowman and K, they'll always be married in that way that they'll always have a constant comparison, especially in the minds of Blue Jays fans. Like everything Anthony K does, they're going to compare it to what either Strowman has done for the Blue Jays or what he is doing for the Mets. And I don't necessarily think that's fair. Obviously, Anthony Kay is a much younger player and he's still a little bit raw. But when you see eight strikeouts, especially we were just talking up the Rays, right? We were talking about how they're still like a young, good franchise and they still sort of have some wild card aspirations right now. They're, they're a solid team is what I'm trying to say, right? So it, it's sort of, I, actually, I should sort of have wild card there up a game. So scratch that. But like, so they're a very good team that honestly, in some divisions in baseball, would be running away with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and it it it's encouraging to see that this guy is unintimidated by the moment, and you know, in terms of where he fits in the future, I'm not sold that he's going to be an anchor of the rotation, but. For me, his ceiling is maybe a number three guy, and I'm very much okay with that. Hey, every year that we were good, we had somebody that was solid in the middle of the rotation. Yeah. Whether it was Marco Estrada, I'm going to go back 92, 93, Juan freaking Guzman. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, how good, how, if you take somebody out of that middle of that rotation for many of those years where we were doing playoff runs, it doesn't happen. It and Anthony K could be one of those guys that fits into a nice three spot and has some filthy stuff that is going to play up when he's got guys like, you know, if you ended up getting Cole or somebody into that, it's going to play up because they're all intimidated for that main starter. And then it's like, oh, okay, it's just Anthony K. And then he ends up putting up a three ERA for the whole season or right. something. <laughs> you yeah. get overlooked a little bit. But I don't see him, like you said, running away with like an ace job but this right. is going to be a guy that's going to be a very good salvageable major league pitcher this is not a quadruple a pitcher in my opinion he is a major league pitcher and i think it could be as soon as next season to start it off if he continues after this start the way he's been since he's joined the organization yeah and you know it's the breaking stuff is solid, as we've already covered. He is keeping hitters on their toes, right? And he does throw it a lot, but I think it's so effective that he can afford to do that. I know it comes at the risk of becoming way too predictable, but when the stuff moves like that, um, I think you can get away with it. And not only that, I feel like his just personal pre uh, presence on Twitter and interacting with the fans and wanting to get to know the Canadian culture, I think there's something valuable in that, right? I, I think it's you have these signs or these trades of players that come to the Blue Jays or come to whatever Toronto sports organization you choose, and they might be like, oh, what, what the hell is this all about? I don't want to be here. It's sort of like a negative reaction at first, historically. 
this dude sort of welcomed it, right? He was very much all about like, where, where do I go? What do I do? What kind of things do you guys like to do? What should I eat? He was engaging with all the Toronto fans. And I think that sort of softened the blow of Stroman being shipped out, right? And you have a guy that's very much eager and welcoming the opportunity to play in Toronto. And I think that sort of calls uh, to his recognition that this is a country's team and he's representing an entire country when he dons a Blue Jays jersey. So before I make my joke, I got to sum up the pitches. I think the reason that his slider and stuff and everything has been playing so well is the fact that he never throws at the same speed. Oh, okay. It's very, it looks like it's coming out of his arm the same speed. But that last hook he threw on his first strikeout there, that thing was a good five, six miles an hour slower than the one before that. And that's why it took a nasty hook (laughs) instead of a little. (laughs) So, but. My joke back to the personality that is Anthony K so far, because he has been one of the more fun Twitter accounts that I've happened to be, you know, jumping into since he got traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. Anthony K has a chance to be this team's cult hero that is actually good. <laughs> so he's like Mununori Plus. Mununori Plus or John McDonald if he could hit too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just. He's just—it just got so much personality. The fact that fans are bringing him freaking ketchup fries or ketchup <laughs> chips and stuff yes. like that, and whatnot—I just think it's hilarious. And the fact that he has been interacting with the fans while he's been in Buffalo and make the trip down—that is only making him that much more fun to watch. And I think that is exactly the kind of thing that the Blue Jays should be taking as an idea for marketing this young team. The fact that we're seeing Bo, you know, him do those kind of things. We're seeing Boba Shett do Jose Bautista like freaking bat flips almost after his home runs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, not the full bat flip, but the nice little flick of the wrist at the end of a home run. And but things like that. This is a fun team to watch. And somebody like Anthony Kay is a hundred percent this culture that they've been trying to build in this locker room. And I can see why the Blue Jays management was so so high on him along with Simeon's Wood Richardson. Yeah, and that's the thing too, right? I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Anthony Kay and you know the front office's desire to attain him with the Stroman trade, but I feel like they were really gunning after Woods Richardson, right? I feel like that was the prized possession, at least in the front office's mind, and Anthony Kay was sort of this bonus, right? And you had Mets fans sort of talking up the loss of Anthony Kay. They, they were saying, like, this guy has stuff, this guy has potential, you guys are lucky to have him, and I don't know, I, I'd like to assume assume that Mets fans were privy to, you know, his his personality and his open engagement with fans on Twitter. Maybe it was there before, maybe it wasn't. But the fact that this guy was I don't want to say viewed as a throw-in, but he wasn't highlighted as the the gem of the trade and yet he's putting up these kind of numbers and the stuff is moving the way it does. That's sort of encouraging to how this front office is scouting when they do make trades and they do really desire certain players. Yeah, 100%. There's a reason they went after Anthony Kay. And as much as everybody probably views him as the throw into this trade, I don't think the Blue Jays brass had anything but good high aspirations for what this kid is doing. You look at the talent that the Blue Jays have in their minor league system. That doesn't happen by accident. They have the talented scouts, Adam, that have been just going through every little fine nook and cranny to find these guys and squeeze the best baseball out of them. I think they figured out what Anthony K needed in his change of scenery to come to the Blue Jays, and he has taken that next step in his short time with us. 
Well, time will tell, right? And I do think that if he does reach that ceiling as a middle-of-the-rotation kind of guy, like we said, that is something that can be very valuable for this team moving forward. I, You've mentioned it. I'll throw another name like we already discussed him, like Marco Estrada. When he came to this team, like no one thought he was going to be the ace. In fact, like people were upset that Adam Lynn got shipped out of town and we were getting a bullpen piece. Well, that bullpen piece turned into a very important piece of the starting rotation for those two playoff runs. And so I'm not saying that this is going to replicate that, but you just never know what you have. And if this guy can go out there and pitch five and two thirds, six innings per outing right now, just to start off right with the breaking stuff, the way it is, the off speed stuff, the way it is, I'm very happy with what the blue Jays got in return for Stroman. hundred percent. And he's already thrown farther and longer than a few of our stars of late. And as far as innings can recent contributions, <laughs> There you go. Right. And and when you have that, like that's sort of like a model right there. Right. He He's a new guy on this team. Maybe that will. I know September baseball, a lot of maybe some of the players, I don't want to speak for them, but I'm sure winning right now is sort of not a, a huge priority for this team. Right. But. I, I would like to say that there's going maybe some friendly competition. If this guy is going out and eating innings the way he is, maybe that will encourage the other pieces of the starting rotation to do the same. Yeah. Uh, if the Blue Jays players haven't gotten it yet, this is spring twi- spring training 2020 already. <laughs> so I if they aren't paying attention to taking this opportunity to be able to put some extra innings up in front of the Blue Jays' actual everyday management, they're missing an opportunity. The fact that, you know, we should be seeing more players like from Anthony Kay, Anthony Alford and company that it needs to happen. I, I already know I can pencil in Loris Gurriel, Jr., Bobachet, Vlad Jr. and company. It's <laughs> true. And Kevin Biggio. You don't know how that rotation is going to fit out. What if it does have to be all rookies? You have to have somebody that might take it a little bit further at the end of this season. And maybe it's somebody like Anthony Kay or TJ Zoik that give you that, wow, you know what? Maybe I don't have to run out and buy four different free agent pitchers. I can solid one, and one of these guys are going to take that next stride and run away with a spot. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Speaking of rookies, we've been talking about this guy every single week since his arrival on this show, and for very good reason. Bo Bichette has been a highlight, all right? And what I'm about to discuss is not taking anything away from his talent, so anybody on Twitter, don't rip me. I'm just going by the numbers here. Um, I don't know if this is a slump that he's experiencing, but despite the the great outing on Thursday, hitting two home runs, one of which would to lead off the game, I want to say that's the second time this season he's done it in his short time up here. Um, Bo went one for 12 for the remaining three games. Um, I know a lot of people don't like to put stock in batting average, but he was batting 83 with one walk. Again, September baseball, not a lot of expectations, not a lot of pressure to win games, but could this be the start of maybe a season-ending slump, or do you think this timing is pretty inconsequential September baseball, and you just hate to see it? Where do you stand on this? If he's going to have a slump, I'd rather I'm have it now. Exactly. <laughs> that's where <Yeah>. I stand. <laughs> this is a guy that's already in the Blue Jays' top six in war for this whole season. I know what Boba Shett can bring to the plate. I am not worrying about his integrity as a Toronto Blue Jays starter one tidbit. And if he's going to have a struggle, I'd rather him watch him against hard teams with good pitching like the Tampa Bay Rays, the Red Sox and Yankees coming in the next couple of weeks here where he was just absolutely 
embarrassing American League hit pitchers and a couple of key National League rules. <laughs> yeah, Clayton Kershaw. Oh, yeah. sorry, <laughs> but um, he's already ahead of some of the guys that were quote unquote the best players on our team this year. He's passed Loris Gurriel Jr. in WAR for this season already. Adam, slightly nuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this is a guy that, again. I'm not taking anything away from Vlad, but it seems like Bo sort of stole the hype from Vlad, right? He sort of hit the ground running with the flame under his ass and made the fan base react and snap their net back and say, whoa, this guy's this guy's the real deal. Um, you're right. In September, you, this is whatever. Unless unless they were pushing for a wild card or in contention, um, I, I wouldn't want to see him struggle at this point if that was the case. But since it's not, again, sort of inconsequential. And plus, like a lot of people are, are freaking out about this on Twitter. I'm not sure that we can call a three-game skid, especially in the TROP, given the history of everything for the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm not sure we can call that a slump. I really just think it's like a bad outing, right? It's sort of gray in September. Plus, you know, football started. Maybe his mind was was elsewhere. I don't know. But, you know, like three (laughs) games, whatever. Going one for 12, it's going to happen. It happens to everybody. All the greats go through slumps. Look at Bryce Harper in the beginning of the season. Everyone was like, oh, terrible signing, dude. Well, he sort of kind of lit it up. And I'm not saying he's living up to the contract, but he's definitely showing he has skill. The same is going to go for Bo Bichette. In fact, I'd even wager that next year he's going to be much better than what we've already seen so far this year. As great as he's been and as Josh Donaldson-esque in terms of the way he carries himself and that fearlessness that he has, I think he's even going to be better next year. I'm just going to put it out there that everywhere that Biggio, Bichette, and Vladdy had played, they've won. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the calm before the storm and the three of them being all together. Now you could see it when you were watching him in Fisher cats, lug nuts, Buffalo, whatever it might be. The three of them together have a special chemistry and that is instantly what a re- the rest of the team feeds off of along with themselves. The fact that they literally <laughs> almost seem like they're trying to one up each other all the time. <laughs> gets a little crazy. The fact that right now, Vladdy's he's been playing really good yep. the last few weeks. And everybody's talking Boba Shett. <laughs> Vladdy so, hit a triple. <laughs> yeah, Vladdy hit a triple. <laughs> I think that's still hilarious. Yeah. And it was a legit triple because that was just a horrible route to a baseball on that one. But um, it's going to keep going like this. This, Those three, you're going to be able to pencil in every day. And this lineup is going to feed off of their energy. They're all a little different in their own ways of how they carry himself. You kind of hear that Vladdy's kind of the, you know, obviously the leader of the group a little bit, and he's a little bit more of a goofball where the intensity of Boba Shet kind of comes through and Kevin Biggio is the workhorse. Yeah. They've so kind of gotten that same mentality all through the minor league system. And now we're finally getting to see them kind of get their teeth cut a little bit and settled in. It's going to be interesting to see what the three of them together for a whole season can do in 2020. Well, I'm not trying to take any wind out of the sails here. And again, like we're still here in 2019. Um, There's a good chance and we can sort of transition into this. It's a good chance with 18 games remaining. Actually, there's a legitimate chance that the Jays could be looking at a hundred loss season. Um, The last time this team lost a hundred plus games was 1970. 
109. Okay. They went 53 in 109. Mathematically, they can't match that record, but they can certainly come close to the remainder of the schedule being against the entire AL East. So I ask you, Again, this year has been all about development, and for all intents and purposes, this year has been much better than last year. Much better, much more entertaining than last year, but they still didn't reach 100 wins, uh, 100 losses last year. What kind of a message would it send to an already disgruntled fan base if and when they do reach that 100-plus loss mark? I'm not terribly worried about it. I knew what this <laughs> season was about, but... I, and then I just think it can return that quickly. So the other catch is we're going to play the Baltimore Orioles six times yes. <laughs> in yes. those games. So the fact that we could do that, I really do not see us losing all six of those games. And I think we could steal ones or twosies away from the uh, Yankees and the Rays down the stretch. And I'm going to give you a complete wild card on why the heck team for the Red Sox actually shows up. Because yeah. I almost feel like their record of being, you know, at 76 and 67 is a gift for yeah. how they've been up and down all season. Um, better of late, but still one of those things that I am just amazed by. And the fact that the Blue Jays, if they can get their offense together and get a little pitching, which looks like it could be happening as we get these young kids, I TJ Zoic, Anthony Kay, and those guys do not want to go out there and lose. They're going to go out there and pitch their hearts out. So getting some contribution on starting pitching leads me to be, I'm thinking like 97 losses. We're going to just miss it. Yeah, and I'm okay with that, right? Even if they do Moral hit... victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if they do hit the 100, whatever. Like, look, is it as bad in terms of wins, losses as last year or the year before? No, it's not. I mean, yes, it is. It's worse. Um, but it's, it's sort of this thing that you can take a bittersweet approach to this, right? The bitterness is, yeah, maybe they do lose 97 or 100 or 103 games. That's certainly possible, and that would suck. But at the same time, there's some hope for what this team can accomplish moving forward, right? It, usually when you have a team that loses 100-plus games, there's no hope for t the next year, right? We can look at this team with 100 losses and say, yes, but next year is going to be special, and then the year after that is going to be special because we have these players right and the reason why they're losing 100 games is that not all of them have been up at the same time right so i think that is a huge factor in this is that they haven't played an entire season together in the major leagues but also they're still kind of raw they're still developing and once that development uh, period ends and they start to click then you can like look back at the, this 100 loss season and say to yourself man i was there and i'm so glad i stuck with this team yeah this is the gearing up stage oh yeah Oh, yeah. They're fueling up the car. We're getting ready for the the go burning down the highway. But you got to start somewhere. And the fact that I think you hit the best there is this team has not been together. They've been here, there, and all associated versions of the Toronto Blue Jays minor league system. They're here now. The core of the future is actually here. This is the, yes, we didn't have the wonderful resurgence of something like the Yankees did a couple of years ago when Sanchez, Judge, and company came up. But that is the core of a team that we just got. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's why this is an exciting time. That's why I'm going for the last two games of the season. <laughs> this is how it is. I'm driving from Rochester, New York, up for the couple games because I just can't wait till next season already. But there is something for saying that we were here when this all started off. 
Well, speaking of all started off and speaking of upcoming games, let's wrap a bow on this. Let's do some predictions and we'll head out. Um, like I said, they're now going back home. They have a six-game home skid. They are hosting the Boston Red Sox for three. And then during the weekend, they are hosting those Yankees for three. But as we mentioned, they go out of town to Baltimore for three next week. Let's start with the Red Sox. Again, three games. Red Sox seem to have some inner turmoil at least on the front office side. I don't know if that's necessarily bleeding into the players, but it certainly isn't a good look. For that, I have them squeaking away with one win against the Red Sox. I'm saying one for three. I think the fact that we have TJ Zoik pitching the first game, I'm thinking that is the first game that we're going to steal. The Red, Yankee, or the Red Sox only have so much probably footage on them. And I'm just hoping that none of those guys from Pawtucket that might have an inside lead on them have made it into the majors yet. <laughs> yeah, but they're terrible anyway. <laughs> so exactly. So that's why I'm hoping they aren't there. The only guy might be, you know, um, oh, what's the first baseman? Um, but yeah, I really think that the Blue Jays have a chance to be able to steal at least one game from the Boston Red Sox in the midst of everything going on. And the fact that they they, they have, they've been struggling with consistency, I think. And I this figure... They have a chance to throw a few different looks at them and something could could come out of it. Um, but the fact that Thornton and Clay Buckholz are the other two, I can't get too excited <laughs> about those other two games. Uh, funny story. Speaking of the Paw Sox, I actually went to a, a Paw Sox game this past Labor Day. And um, we my wife and I bought tickets uh, early. They're only like 15 bucks for good seats. And we're hanging out there, and all of a sudden, I see this dude with the Buffalo Bills shirt come walking by. He was all decked out in Bills stuff. And I, I, you know, reached out my hand. I was like, yo, man, go Bills. And I was rocking a Jays shirt. And he's like, go Blue Jays, too. I'm like, oh, you're a Blue Jays fan. He's like, yeah, I just didn't want to rep them. I'm like, dude, we need you here. We need to strike the numbers. And not only that, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only Rhode Island Blue I Jays fan. I figured fans. in Pawtucket, it's just Red Sox town that the you know, the Blue Jay thing would have been the lesser of two evils yeah. against the Bills. <laughs> I, I agree. They were playing the Iron Pig, so there were quite a bit of Phillies fans, surprisingly enough. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I saw a Blue Jays fan, and, you know, we, we dapped it up. But you never know when they're going to show up. So uh, there's that. Um, all right, so <laughs> I digress. Heading into the weekend against New York, I'm not going to be uh, optimistic about this. I, I got a New York sweep here. Um, I'm hoping we can squeak one out, but I would not be shocked at all with how the Yankees have been just steamrolling of late. The offense is clicking. And when you have guys like Brett Gardner actually contributing again, that's a hard lineup to get through. You know, when you uh, when you bang dugout roofs, you're going to be a force to re be reckoned with. So, yeah, Gardner, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Over under just, on whether or not he gets ejected. Yes or no. What do you think? <laughs> I'm at least 60, 40. Yes. 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 <laughs> All right. And like I said, they traveled to Baltimore for three. This is where the optimism shines. I got them taking two out of three. I can't see them getting swept or only winning one game in Baltimore. That team is just dog shit. I'm saying two out of three <laughs> against Baltimore. There's only one team worse in Major League Baseball, and that's the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. As far as record. All right. I'd make the argument that there's better pitching on the Detroit Tigers. I can see that, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Matt Boyd fan. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, I think they can actually have a legitimate reason to get some momentum for the last few last two weeks against the Bra the Baltimore Orioles in that series this coming week and maybe make some, you know, make a nice little turn here. It'd be nice to see them even take a 500 record the last couple of weeks here and 
this is a very good chance that this is the offense that we're going to have to start next season. Well, having said that, I do think that, you know, facing the re- the remainder of the schedule is AL East loaded, right? That's all we're facing right now. And this is a true test to what we have with this roster heading into next year. I'm not saying we can read the tea leaves and say, okay, this is how they're definitely going to perform. But it is something that you can look back on and say, all right, how do they perform in the month of September against these teams? Like, did, were they really that bad? Where were the bright spots? You can sort of investigate to see where this team is heading, heading into 2020, you know, with free agent signings and or trades aside. What we have right now for the core of this roster it's something to look forward to and i you know you know better than anybody else probably what the potential of this team is you have seen them as little young babies in single a all the way up to right now so with that you I do like my, my lansing lynn uh Dineen trips yeah yeah you know like you you have been very patient with this core at making their major league debut and they're here now so i trust your judgment more than anybody when it comes to the evaluation of these players and i do think that they can make some noise at least a little bit more noise next season and no way do i think that they're a 90 plus lose team next year i really do think when it clicks and you have them on for a full season it's going to be special i i honestly i don't see this offense being anything other than a 500 team even with some shitty pitching (laughs) i just think next season you get all look guriel back and all these guys are up in the season for a whole year it's going to be fun to watch on offense next year. I just hope to dear God almighty that we can find some starting pitching to match up with this, or at least that catalyst in that rotation. Well, until then, uh, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Craig, I appreciate you coming on. It's always fun chatting Blue Jays with you. As I mentioned on your show when I was on last time, I would love to have you and Brendan on to sort of recap the season towards the end, sort of revisit what we put out there for our uh, predictions at the beginning of the season. We can sort of poke holes in that and see where we went wrong. But for now, you know the deal. The floor is yours. You can promote all that you got going on, your podcast where people can find you on Twitter, all the above man go for it floor is yours all right so as um adam was nice enough to say i am craig borden i am part of jaybird watching i am the original founder i now have a full-time 50 50 co-host and brendan panikar who is a friend of mine at jay's journal much like mr corsair here and since then we've been doing nothing but bring you goofy shenanigans in toronto blue jays news and the most fan interactive way that we possibly can We're hoping to maybe have another live show before the end of the season. If not, worst case scenario, Blue Jays fans, like I said, I will be up in Toronto for the last game of the season as the Blue Jays take on the Tampa Bay Rays with my counterpart, Brandon Panikar. And I'm looking extremely forward to meeting up with anybody and everybody up on the flight deck for a beer. (laughs) So it might be a very expensive $14, $15 beer, but I'm strangely okay with it. I really don't care. I just want to interact and goof around and have fun. We've been getting, trying to do our best to get any of Blue Jays fans input on shows and questions and feedback and stuff like that. So make sure you hit us up on Twitter at birdwatching gc and we might have you on the show for a quick snippet or whatnot we have a few voice messages that we're going to play on the show this week and like i said we just want to be the one stop shopping for blue jays chat all the links to the twitter the podcast everything will be in the description of the show 
I make no bones about it when I say Craig and Brendan, they are very consistent with their coverage. They will not let you down. The coverage is top notch. They're always there. They have not given up on this team and neither should you. So with that being said, when you see Craig and Brendan at the game to, to close out the season, buy them both a beer. In fact, buy them two. They deserve it. They work hard. But until then, Craig, thank you for coming on, man. We'll do this again at the end of the season. Go Jays. Thanks for hopping on. Pleasure as always, my friend. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. Raptors.